If you would this morning, uh, let's open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians chapter 6. Or actually 18 through 20 of Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. So Ephesians 6, starting in verse 18. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we come before you right now, and we just thank you for bringing us together. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes and, and maybe even just remind some of us today of just the, the importance of prayer, the importance of maintaining that communication with you, Lord, and just the, the awesome privilege that that is. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And one of the things that I guess God has really been speaking to me about over the last couple of months is just the necessity of prayer. And I think for me personally, even just that, that failure to pray as much as I should have been. Because I think a lot of times it's one of those things that it's really easy to get involved. It's really easy a lot of times to read our Bibles. It's really easy to do those things. But sometimes the hardest aspect of our walk in Christ is to set aside that time to pray to just really spend time in, in the presence of God. And one of the things that I was reminded of is that it doesn't matter how many of all those other things we're doing if we're not spending that time in prayer. Because like we've talked about before, a lot of times what ends up happening is we run around and we go and we do a lot of things, but we accomplish very little. Because we're not being led by the Lord. We're not being led by the Spirit. And ultimately, we end up exhausted. We end up just feeling burnt out. We feel tired. We feel sometimes very discouraged because we've gone and we've done and we've poured ourselves out. But we've poured ourselves out in all the wrong places. And it's one of those things that here Paul is going to give us this really, really awesome reminder about the importance of prayer. And he starts in verse 18 with just these first two words, praying always. You know, it's saying, hey, do not stop praying, but always be in an attitude of prayer. And like we were talking about last night, this doesn't mean that you're walking around everywhere around work and you're mumbling the Lord's Prayer to yourself, because I feel like if you walk around everywhere mumbling to yourself, you're going to end up locked up somewhere probably have one of those nice little jackets where you get to hug yourself in a padded room. It's not one of those situations, but it's that attitude, that heart of prayer, that that communication is always open before the Lord. The man, you're never ending the prayer. It's always just a continual thing. I, I have come to really enjoy being in here because I've realized that as I am getting older, some of the youth do not understand the references that I give. You know, and one of the things we talk about sometimes is phone calls, which I realize are very quickly becoming a thing of the past because it's one of those, hey, if you want to talk to somebody now, you text them. And even texting is dying out because now they send Snapchats and, you know, the direct messages on Instagram and everything else. So I say, oh, yeah, you know, when you call somebody, they kind of look at me like, why would you do that? But you all remember you know, I remember when I first got a, a cell phone and I started dating my wife. That there are a lot of times that we would spend hours on the phone together. And this was a constant frustration for my parents because this was back when we used to have to pay for minutes. But it would be one of those things where I would be going to sleep at night and we'd be talking and it would be, I don't want to hang up. And she'd be like, neither do I. Just stay on the phone until we fall asleep. 
And so we would just sit there. We'd leave the cell phones on. Sometimes we'd just put them on speaker or whatever. And we'd lay down and we wouldn't say anything. And it, it was almost like a confession last night to my parents about why their cell phone bill was so big when I was younger. But we would just sit there and it wasn't, we weren't having a conversation. We weren't talking. We weren't doing any of those things. But it was that idea that, hey, you know what? We're still, even though we're not physically there, we're in each other's presence. And at any moment, we can start up a conversation again if we want. And as I was studying, as I was preparing, I came across a statement that said, never hang up the phone with God. And I liked that because it reminded me of that situation. Hey, never hang up the phone. Always be in that place where, man, you can talk to him at a moment's notice. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, there Paul, he says something very similar. He says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop communicating with the Father. But to always be talking to him. And really, to be talking to him the way that Moses does. You know, and it says that God spoke to Moses as a friend talks to a friend. And again, that's something that I really like because I think a lot of times we talk about it and when we think of prayer, we think of the times we come as a congregation before service. We think of those times in prayer meetings where it's like, okay, you know what, now we're going to pray. And there's this specific, I guess, almost like routine or, or attitude or whatever it is. And, and I had so, one of the kids one time tell me, well, you know what, I, I just, I feel like, you know what, I haven't prayed in a while. And I said, well, when was the last time you talked to God? And they said, oh, well, I do that all the time. And I was like, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know, sometimes I'll be walking in class and I'll just be talking to God. Hey, Lord, you know what, this is going on today. You know what, please watch over me and everything else. And I said, do you understand that when you're doing that, you're praying? And they were like, well, but my eyes aren't closed and all these things. And they said, well, yeah. You don't have to have your eyes closed and, you know, be doing these things to pray. You know what, you can, God just wants a conversation with you. He wants to talk to you throughout the day. And their mind was blown because they were like, well, I thought that prayer was just, you know, whatever. I didn't know I was praying. <laughs> and I love that because they were just doing it. They were just having a relationship with God and they were just doing it without even knowing that they were doing what Paul was telling each one of us to do. Pray without ceasing. Man, have a running conversation with him about everything that's going on in your life. He goes on and he says, praying always with all prayer. In other words, you know, not just coming to the Lord when we need something. Because again, I think that is a lot of times the attitude we have about prayer. Prayer is for when things are going wrong. Prayer is when, hey, you know what? Somebody's sick or somebody's going through a situation. Then we go up for prayer. I think it's even the attitude we have on Sundays and Saturdays and Wednesdays when it's one of those, hey, you know what? If you want prayer, there are people available up front to pray with you. And we think, oh, okay, well, I don't need that because everything's good in my life. And we forget that one of the most awesome prayers, one of those times that we so often miss out on are those moments where we can come to God and just worship in prayer. Where we can just say, hey man, I'm not going through anything. There's no struggles. There's nothing really pressing that I need to lay before the Lord right now. I just want to pray because man, God is awesome. I just want to talk to God and thank him for all that he's done and all that he is and just worship him in prayer. You know, Paul says praying with all prayer. And I think he says that because a lot of times we have this very specific idea of what prayer is. It was even one of those things that uh, last night our college ministry had a night of prayer. And I sent a list of prayer requests to one of the kids because I was here and I said, okay, look, these are some things that I would like you to pray for. And I asked them to pray for the health of one of my family members. And their response was, why are they in the hospital? What's going on? You know, and it was just this attitude of, why would you ask that if they're not, if something major isn't going on? Because that's what we do, right? When somebody is really, really sick, that's when we say, hey, pray for their health. It's not just a continual prayer, but hey, if they're sick. And so I was like, well, no, nothing new has happened. I would just like you to pray. Oh, okay. And again, it, it made me think of my relationship with my wife, because there are times that she will randomly throughout the day just text me and say, hey, babe, I love you. 
And it just throws me off. Like, I don't know how to respond to that. And maybe that says a lot about who I am. Maybe I should be doing that for her. I guess I probably should be doing that for her now that I think about it. But whenever she texts me that, my initial response is, what happened? She's like, babe, I love you. And I'm like, what's wrong? Who did you talk to? What do you know? Like, what are you setting me up for? Or, hey, what, what's going on? You know, and she'll, so she'll just text me back. I can't say I love you. And I don't tell her this, but in my head, I'm thinking, no, that's weird. There's got to be a reason. And I think, again, a lot of times that's what it is with us in prayer. We don't just pray to pray to be in the presence of God, to be and, and spend time in thanksgiving. It's, well, that's weird. But it shouldn't be. Because we should want to be in his presence. We should want to just spend time with him in the good times and the bad. I like in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, that Paul writes, and he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I like the part where he says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And I like that he throws thanksgiving in there. Because it's one of those things that I think a lot of times we are not when we come before God. We are not thankful. I think, and I know that for me personally, there are a lot of times that I come to God with a sense almost of entitlement. Okay, God, I'm bringing this to you and you need to work because, well, I deserve it. We almost sound like, you know, the, some of the kids that we have in our houses. Well, I deserve this. You know, this is not something, this is not a privilege. This is not because you love me. This is just what you should do. And we forget what a privilege it is to be able to come into the presence of the one that made the heavens and the earth. To be able to say that, man, he hears my prayers, he hears my cries, and how thankful I am that, man, he's never too busy for me. I think we miss out on that sometimes, and that attitude of thankfulness. And sometimes it's what leads to that bitterness then that seeps into our prayers, that well, he should have already done this instead of, man, God, you're so awesome, even if you don't do anything. And so that's why, again, I love Paul's wording with thanksgiving, praying always in all prayer with thanksgiving and going back to Ephesians 6.18, he says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You know, coming and laying our needs before him but the important part of that is in the spirit, in submission to God's will. Because a lot of times our prayers are more of a A or B option. Okay, God, do this or this. And sometimes it's even just an A option. Okay, God, here's what I want you to do. And we look at prayer as us trying to bend God to our will, when in reality, prayer is us submitting to His will. Lord, if this is Your will, then do this. And if not, give me the wisdom to understand and the strength to continue and to trust You in what You're doing. We see that even in Jesus' prayer in the garden, in Matthew 26, verses 38 and 39, where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And he spends that time in prayer with the disciples. And in Matthew 26, starting in verse 38, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And I love that submission. Nevertheless, not what I want, but God, what you want. Because what you have planned is way better than anything I could come up with. 
And so, Lord, man, this is what I'm hoping for. But ultimately, I'm going to leave it all in your hands. I'm going to trust you with it and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to do what Peter says and I'm going to cast my cares upon you because I know you care about me. And I'm going to let you handle the situation in whatever way that you see best. Because you are God and I am not. You know, it's one of those things that it's really easy to sing about. We sang that song this morning. I lean not on my own understanding. But it's a lot easier to sing than it is to do sometimes. Because a lot of times, even if you're like me and you're not a control freak, and let's be honest, those of you that know me, I'm not even really organized in my life. But when things happen, when things are going wrong, I want to have all the answers in front of me. I want to know exactly what's going to happen. And if I don't understand it, then I'm not going to do it. And I can sing all day. I can pray. I can talk about it. But man, sometimes the hardest thing in the world is to step out and do it. And say, okay, God, these aren't just words. But man, I'm going to leave this in your hands. I'm going to lean not on my own understanding. And man, I'm going to trust your will, even if it's different from mine. Man, that's hard. But it becomes easier when we've taken those first two steps. Because it's a lot easier to trust somebody who we've spent time with. When you're always praying in all kinds of prayer, and you're laying it all before the Lord, and that's just who you are, then it becomes a lot easier when the trials come to say, okay, man, I'm going to lay this before the Lord also because I've laid my whole life in His hands and look at where He's brought me. I think sometimes it becomes very hard because we are not praying always. Because it's one of those things that we have been relying on our own wisdom to get through everything. And so then when things come up, we go back to our routine. Okay, hey, this happened. This is how I've handled everything in the past. So I'm just going to continue doing what I've always done. And I'll definitely go through the lip service. And I'll say, yeah, I'm going to lay it before the Lord. But ultimately, what I'm going to do is I'm going to handle it. But one of the things I love is in Daniel chapter 6, and again, this was not in my notes, and I apologize, but in Daniel 6 verse 10, we, we see in, in that chapter that there has been that law pl- pay, placed or made by the king that, hey, you know what, for the next few days, the next whatever, that, hey, you can't pray to anybody except the king. And so Daniel's response in verse 10 is really cool. And even more so, why his response is this. But in verse 10 of Daniel 6, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, prayed and gave thanks before his God. And this is, I think, the most important part, as was his custom since early days. That this was not something new to Daniel. This was not one of those, hey, something happened, so now this is what I need to do in response. But Daniel said, okay, this is going on. Okay, cool. I'm just going to continue my routine because, man, look at where God's brought me. Look at where I started. Look at where I am. I've trusted him up to this point. Why am I going to stop now? And so he goes and he prays, even in the face of adversity, even when prayer is the very thing that is going to bring trials into his life, he says, I'm not going to stop because this is just who I am I'm a man of prayer and so he brought his supplications before the Lord and he laid them down there I think it's this submission to God's will that also leads to what Paul talked about in Philippians 4 6 and 7 that peace that surpasses all understanding Because when I am submitted to God's will in prayer, then I can have peace in what He's doing. 
That I don't have to carry the anxiety, the fear, and everything else with me. Because again, I know whose hands I've left it in. And I know he's capable of holding it and dealing with it. And and doing exactly what needs to be done. Even, again, if it's one of those what needs to be done is I need to go into the lion's den or the fiery furnace or whatever else it is. Man, I know that God has a plan even in that. And so, man, even when it just defies all physical understanding, I can have peace because of who my life is in and it comes with that Lord not my will but yours be done because again you are God and so he says you know Paul says praying with all prayer always with supplication in the spirit and in Ephesians 6 he goes on and he says as we're praying being watchful says, being watchful to this end. Praying because we know that we're in spiritual warfare and that the enemy is on the prowl. You know, we need to remember that this is at the tail end of Paul's section on the armor of God and spiritual warfare. And he's talking to them and he's using this military language, being watchful, always ready, watching out for the enemy and being prepared for the attacks of the enemy. Always being watchful in our prayers. Knowing the times that we live in. And knowing and paying attention to what's going on as we pray. It's what Peter will tell us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, where he tells us, hey, you know what, that we are supposed to be sober and vigilant because, you know what, the, the enemy, because Satan is like, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He says in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And so he says, be watchful because, man, your enemy is on the prowl. And if the events just within the body here at this church and, and even just within our city over the last couple of months, if they have not opened up our eyes to the fact that we need to be attentive and watchful in our prayers because of the spiritual warfare we're in, then I don't know what will. We need to be in prayer because, man, we are going through those attacks. But we need to be in prayer even when we're not. And we need to be ready and prepared. And the best place to do that is to be on our knees talking to our commander-in-chief. Lord, prepare me for what is to come. Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, you give me wisdom. In how it is that I should walk. In how it is that I should speak. Because man, I know that what we are going through is more than what the eye can see. And I know the importance of it. I think a lot of times we are not watchful in our prayers. That just like we talk about a lot of other things... We get in routines. And we pray about the same things. And and again, we're going to talk about perseverance in just a little bit. And it's not necessarily that, hey, you're continuing in prayer for this thing. But that, hey, we're not attentive to the other things going on. And we need to be. Because that's where the battle is fought. You know, it was one of those things, we went out yesterday, and uh, with the college and the youth, we did a, a street witnessing outreach with the 10th Hour Project. You know, and it, it was one of those where we didn't see anything major, there was no, you know, conversions, we didn't see, like, you know, revival at the fountains or any of those things. And I was talking to Dave, and uh, he's the guy that leads the school up there, and and I was, I'll be honest, I was a little discouraged by the turnout. 
And I was a little discouraged because I was like, man, you know what? There's always things going on at the fountains. There's all, the lawn is always full. We show up and nobody was there. And I was like, man, this is a bummer, you know? Like, I was just sitting there and I was like, wow, talk about a failure. And I, I told Dave, I was like, man, you know, I'm just, I'm sorry, man. And he, he, he and I started talking about outreach and stuff. And, and he said something that I don't entirely think is true, but I, I can see where he's coming from. One of the things he had mentioned was that, you know, sometimes we don't do a lot of outreach because of apathy or because, you know, we, we're, we're just, you know, he kept telling me that we were lazy, you know. And, and I don't think he meant it in a bad way. I just think it was one of those, like, you know, we forget the importance of going out. And, and I was thinking about it, as even as I drove back to the church and I was getting ready, and I don't necessarily think that's it. I think sometimes we're not doing outreach because, man, we're not praying. And it's really hard to go out if we don't know where we're going or what it is we're supposed to do. But it's when we're on our knees that we get the marching orders and then we're sent out. And so it's one of those, again, hey, being watchful and praying even as we go out. And that was one of the things we prayed. God, you make those appointments even as we head out there. Because it doesn't matter how many times we go out to the fountains. If we're not praying and we're not watchful in our prayers and we're not fighting the battle before we get there, then, man, every time we get there, we're going to land with a big fat dud. Because it's not my strength, your strength, or anybody else's. It's not our words, but it's God opening the doors and working in people's hearts. That's why he says, praying always with all prayers and supplications in the Spirit, being watchful. And he goes on then in Ephesians 6. And he says to pray with all perseverance. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. And again, that was a word that stuck out to me so much so that I did something that I normally don't like to do. I went to the dictionary. And normally when I hear somebody say, okay, I'm going to give you the dictionary definition of this term, I'm like, oh, what a loser. Why, oh, Webster's, what, you know, I just imagine them with a pocket protector and pins, and I'm like, oh, you are doing so good. But I, I felt like I had to, so I apologize. But perseverance, I like the word, because what it means is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. And I love that, especially when it comes to prayer. He says, continue in prayer with perseverance. Continue even when there's difficulties or delays in achieving success. Continue in prayer with perseverance. You know, there are a lot of parents in the room today. And some of you guys, man, you you guys are just examples of prayer warriors because you have been praying for your kids for maybe for some of you for decades. And for some, it's been one of those, there's been prayer without very much success. But you are a constant encouragement because you're continually praying. And I would just like to encourage you a little bit this morning, if I can, that, man, hey, don't stop because, man, I am a result of perseverance in prayer. Because, man, my parents and so many people in the church did not stop praying for me when I wasn't walking with God. I grew up here at this church. My dad has been an assistant pastor here since I was like seven years old. Man, some of you guys, you've known me since I was in diapers and you were my children's ministry teachers and high school leaders and everything else. And I had some amazing people in my life and that didn't stop me from walking away from God. That didn't stop me from running in the opposite direction when I got old. But what brought me back was the fact that, man, there were so many people praying for me. And they didn't stop. In fact, I was sharing with a parent, and I think I've shared this before, that I was sharing with a parent last night, that, you know, when I came back to the Lord, I, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine from the college ministry. 
And she told me, she was like, hey, you know what, I just want to let you know, you know, that that whole time that you were out there drinking and doing all that stuff, I was praying that God would not let you find sleep. And man, if I could have strangled somebody, I would have strangled her. Because for those two years, I think I had bags under my eyes. Maybe God was even just preparing me for what it was like to be a parent, because now I still have those eyes, but it's because of my daughter. But I couldn't sleep. Like, even when I slept, I'd wake up, and I was still exhausted. I could sleep sometimes 12 hours, and I'd wake up, and I'd be like, man, I am more tired than when I went to bed, and I just could not figure it out. And then so she said that, and I was like, you... And she goes, and I don't even feel bad about it. And so this parent looked at me and he goes, dude, let's pray that for my son. And I was like, down, let's do it. Because there's power in prayer. There's, you know, sometimes it's one of those things that, man, you know what? We give up way too soon. And I tell people all the time, hey, If there is still breath in their lungs, it's not too late. Continue to fight for them in perseverance and prayer. Amen. Lay them before the Lord because where you can't get to, where the walls are too big, too strong, too high, too all those things, man, they're just not even speed bumps for God. And He can reach places that we can't. So to continue in perseverance And he says, and supplication for all the saints. Prayer for all the saints. For all of us. Regardless of whether you know them or not. To pray, even just to say, look, man, that that kid I saw walk in today. You know what? As I was driving into the parking lot, Lord, I just lift them up. And I don't know if they're struggling. I don't know if anything's going on in their life. Lord, you know exactly where they're at. You know their address. You know their life. You know all those things. But Lord, I just leave them in your hands. Because one of the things that I think we forget is that we don't have to know the names of everybody we pray for because God knows them way better than we ever could. When my wife and I were going through premarital counseling, one of the times we we were there, um, the, the wife... Uh, her name was Rebecca. She was talking to us. And she told us something really, really cool. That she told my wife that even before she met her, she had been praying that God would bring her a godly man. She was like, I didn't know you. I would see you walk in and you'd have your son or you'd come in and sit with your brother or whatever. And I would see you and, and, and I knew your family and all those things. And I just, I, I was like, Lord... I don't know where she's at. I don't know what's going on in her life. But Lord, I just pray that you provide for her a godly man. And she was like, I prayed for that constantly. And it was so cool to hear that because it was one of those, wow, even before we met you, you were praying. One of the things I love on Facebook, it's one of the few things I love on Facebook because sometimes I'm scrolling through Facebook and I just want to throw my phone, computer, whatever it is I'm on. But on Sundays, I love to look at Facebook because Pastor Bob, you know, the, the pastor from Las Cruces, he posts every Sunday and he was like, you know what, hey, it's Sunday with an S-O-N. He's like, go to church, saints. And then he, he always posts something about praying for all the saints that are heading to church. And I love that because I know that it's more than just lip service. That Pastor Bob is on his knees and he's praying not just for those that are going to Calvary Las Cruces, but he's praying for those across the world that are going to church on Sunday, that God would speak to them, that God would meet them where they're at, and that man, he is lifting up and he is making supplication for all the saints, and he's praying for people he will, he will never meet in his lifetime, but he is listening to what Paul is encouraging us to do, and he is praying for all the saints. In Colossians chapter 1, we see Paul again talking about praying for all the saints. But here he gives us some guidelines or some recommendations as to what to pray for as we look at what he prays for. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, Paul writes, 
And he says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And Paul writes and he tells them, we have not stopped praying that God would guide you and he would lead you to grow in him and he would strengthen you so that you may go out and be fruitful wherever you're at. And again, that should be our prayer for each other. God, even if they're not struggling with something, I lift them up to you just that they would continue to grow in you and that whatever job site they're at, whatever grocery store they shop at, whatever restaurant they eat at, that, Lord, that they would be fruitful in what they do. That, Lord, there would be some growth there, that there would be some seeds planted, and, Lord, that, man, it would all be done to glorify and honor you. I mean, really, that should be the prayer that we have for each person in this room, for every person that, man, calls themselves a Christian. That, hey, you know what, Lord? Grow them. Let them grow in you. Put a hunger in their hearts for you. And hopefully that's the prayer that you pray for the, the pastors in the church. Lord, grow them in you, man. Give them a deeper understanding that, man, every year they know more and more and more about you. Man, that, that is my, I guess, I always used to find it weird when people would say, man, I covet your prayers. The guy that was leading uh, 10th Hour kept telling me, I covet your prayers. And I was like, that's weird. Can't you just ask me to pray for you? But I like the thought of that, like, hey, man, I earnestly desire your prayers. And his prayer was, pray for us, that God would open doors and that we would be fruitful. And I was like, man, like, yeah, dude, definitely. That is the prayer for every person. And I think if we do that, man, we start to see God do some amazing things. That you can be a part of things going on in places you never will go because your prayers are going there. To make prayer for, and supplication for all the saints because of who our God is. You know, I remember uh, many years ago, I was leading the junior high and I had a friend in high school uh, that came to the church and her mom was a single mom and she was battling cancer. And one Saturday... She called me right before service was about to start, and she was really struggling because her mom was in the hospital and her fever had spiked into the hundreds. And she was just freaking out because the doctors were telling her how dangerous this was for her mom. And again, I mean, it was, she was her senior year, and her mom was all she had. So she was just, she didn't know what to do. She called, and she said, can you ask Pastor Charlie to call and I said, or to pray? And I said, yeah, definitely. So I went and I talked to Pastor Charlie, and he asked the congregation to pray. And I went through service, and I was just preoccupied the whole time. Because I was worrying about my friend. I was thinking, man, I should have gone to the hospital. I should be there. I should have been with her. You know, what if something happens? You know, it's, it's only an hour and a half or whatever it is to the end of service. But still, what if, you know, man, I need to be there. And so as soon as he said, okay, we're going to close in prayer, I got up and I ran to the hallway and I called her. I said, hey, dude, what's going on? And she goes, you know what? Um, the doctors can't explain it, but my mom's fever's gone. I said, nah. You know, I think I probably was one of those people, like in Acts, where they were praying for Peter's release, and then Peter's knocking at the door, and they're like, nah, it's not Peter. She was like, my, my mom's fever's gone. And I was like, nah, you're crazy. And she goes, no, yeah, the doctors cannot explain it. But she's gone. the fever's gone. They're thinking they're going to release her tomorrow, like all this stuff. And I was like, man, that's great. And I said, hey, just out of curiosity, when did the fever drop? And she goes, well, it was like between 5.30, 5.45, it started going down. And I was like, oh, snap. That's right when Charlie asked the congregation to pray. 
and that we prayed as a congregation. And all these people, that man had never met this woman, never met her even before the Lord took her home. They never met her. They prayed for her, and God heard their prayers and answered them that day without them even knowing her name for some of them. Man, there is power in prayer. And we need to be praying for each other. A man, as you see people, man, just lift them up in prayer. And he says, praying for all the saints. In Ephesians chapter 6, as he starts to wrap this up, he says, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And I even just love the prayer request that Paul has as he's in chains. You know, it's not, hey, and for me that God would release these chains. And for me that God would strike down these people that have put me in chains. But he says, and for me, that God may give me boldness. And the words to speak and opportunities to speak them. Because I am his ambassador even in chains. And again, I think that should be our prayer for each other. Lord, open doors for them that they may speak and they may share the gospel in whatever situation they find themselves in. You know, whether in good times or bad, whether in chains or in freedom, Lord, I pray that you would open doors so that they would have the opportunity to share the gospel and give them boldness and wisdom in doing it. You give them the words to speak. Man, Paul reminds us in this section, how important prayer is. And to kind of circle back, all the way back to the beginning in verse 10, I think it, it kind of ties in because he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Before he gets to all the spiritual warfare and all the armor, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And here's why I think it ties into prayer. Because you can have all the armor on and be ineffective if you're walking in your own strength and in your own might. Because, man, you will not have the strength to carry it nor the wisdom in how to use it. But it's as we spend time on our knees in prayer that, man, God prepares us for how it is that we are going to go out and use the armor that he's given us and when to... to when to use it, how to use it, and where to use it. And he also gives us the strength to carry it. Because it's, again, not my strength or, his, or yours. In verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul says, man, remember who your fight is against. And I think that that is, again, just like we've talked about, it's hard to submit sometimes. It is hard to remember that our fight is not against what we can see. Because what we can see sometimes is so frustrating. There are times that, man, I... I just, I don't even know what to do. Because, man, there, my, my son is, is at an age where, you know, he's an adult. And sometimes he makes decisions that I'm just like, dude, no. And it breaks my heart. And, like, I was, I was trying to describe how I felt on Saturday night. And I was like, sometimes I just want to grab him and lead him. And I saw a parent doing, like, this like you know like a chokehold and I was like yes you get it because you just want to like no you're gonna do this but we can't do that and I know that there are probably times in my life that I have failed in the fight because man I have fought physically things that are spiritual and one of the things that we were talking about last night is, listen, you cannot win a, a spiritual fight physically, but you can definitely lose it. 
And there are definitely times that I have lost because I have forgotten that, man, what I am dealing with is not against my son or against that age group or any of those things, but, man, that it is a fight that is spiritual. And it's against the hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, and it's a fight that is not going to be won through my persuasive words or my anger or any of those things, but it is going to be fought in submission on my knees before the one who has already won the victory. Because, again, we're fighting against the spiritual. You know, and it was something we even reminded the youth about in Acts. That we we saw this very, very just um, graphic reminder of that. When we were looking at them, or we were looking at Acts chapter 19. And we saw Paul at Ephesus and God just doing amazing things through him. In verse 11 of Acts 19, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left him, and the evil spirits went out of them. And, and again, we reminded them the emphasis was not on Paul, but on God working through Paul, that the power was not in Paul's handkerchiefs or his aprons. Paul wasn't out there, you know, on late night TV, you know, selling his handkerchiefs, you know, blowing his nose into them and saying, hey, for $100, you can be free of disease. But Paul was just living his life and God was using, you know, even just these things in Paul's life to heal people. And in verse 13, then we see, it says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Man, these guys saw what Paul was doing and they said, oh, anybody can do it. And they were right, anybody can. There was nothing special about Paul, but anybody submitted to God, led by God, can do it. But they took it upon themselves and they went out there and they were like, hey, in the name of Paul's Jesus and the dude, I can almost imagine laughing at him like, okay, man. And we see him running out of there naked and wounded. And again, how many times do we show up feeling naked and wounded, ashamed? Because again, we fought something, we lost, and it's because we tried to fight it in our own wisdom, in our own strength. Man, fight the battles on your knees. I, I used to be the, I used to clean the offices in the church. I, mean, I don't know, I haven't gone into Pastor's Tom and looked, Pastor Tom's office and looked around in a while. But I remember many years ago, he used to have this plaque on his desk that said, you know what? He who kneels before God can stand before anyone. And I loved that. It was just that constant reminder. Every time, you know, I walked in there to, to vacuum his office, I would see that plaque, and I was like, man, that is so cool. And that's such an awesome reminder of the importance and the power of prayer. He who kneels before God can stand before anyone, and I think the opposite is true. He who does not kneel before God will not be able to stand before anyone. I know that this is probably almost like a remedial lesson for a lot of people here in the room, but it was something that really hit home with me. Something that, man, even I I saw this quote on Facebook by Spurgeon that, man, just tore me up this week. Because it said, Spurgeon writes and says, you know what, the lack of personal prayer is the locust that will devour the church. I was like, oh, man. That cut deep. 
Because it's one of those things that it was even just a reminder, you know, for those of you fitness fanatics out there. Obviously, I'm not one, although I can speak the lingo. They say abs are made in the kitchen. You know, hey, you can go and work out all you want. But if you go home at the end of it and eat a whole pizza, you're not going to have abs. I mean, I guess they'll be there, but there'll be a thick layer of protection around them. The abs are made in the kitchen. And I thought about that as I was looking at that quote. And I thought, man, battles are won in the home first. Whatever happens, whether it's VBS or outreaches or retreats or any of those things, whatever happens publicly was fought first privately. The battles are won at home on our knees before the Lord. And that's something that, man, we need to be teaching our children. Something that, man, I think even our children can do sometimes a better job of teaching us. Especially the little ones. If you have ever had the privilege to be prayed for by a small child, you know what a special thing that is. Because their faith is unshakable. And man, their faith is expectant. They'll pray for you to be healed. And then they'll say, amen, and they'll look at you and be like, so do you feel better? Because it's, I prayed, God heard, so you should be good now. I love that. Because for them, praying is not just one of those, okay, last-ditch efforts, but it's like, hey, this is what we do, let's pray. And if we pray, God's going to hear. And if God hears, then God's going to work. And so, man, you know what? Like, what do, why are you worried? They have that peace that surpasses all understanding. And sometimes we need to get back to that simple faith. That faith of a child. Again, my mom has a magnet on her fridge at home. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Hey man, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm going to lift it up in prayer. I know who my God is. I've spent time with him. And man, I know he's going to work. You may not understand how it is he's going to do it, but he's going to do something and it's going to be awesome. And man, continue walking with him. And pray always. And so as the worship team gets ready to come up, as we get ready to close, that would just be the encouragement. Look, Hey man, sometimes you don't need to come up for prayer because anything's going wrong. But man, how encouraging it is to gather together as believers and pray because of all that God is doing already. And to come up to one of the prayer counselors and say, look, hey, I just want to pray and I just want you to be with me so that we can pray and thank God together for who he is. What an awesome thought that is. And if nothing else, to come up and say, look, I just want to pray for families. Because if you haven't realized it yet, families are under attack. The home is under attack. And man, whether your home is under attack or not, man, we need to be praying for the homes of the families in this church. We need to be praying for the young people. We need to be praying for the health of those that are older, we need to be praying for the homes. We need to be praying for the church. And we need to not stop. 